Inside the Adventure, episode number 62 with Min Fitzgerald. If you've ever been afraid to step outside your comfort zone, then you're in the right place. Inside the Adventure features incredible athletes and everyday people sharing their epic stories of pushing life to its limits. Get ready to be inspired, face your fears, and take action with your host, Marshall Mosier. What's going on, guys, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Adventure. This is your host, Marshall Mosher, and today we're going to hear the story of Min Fitzgerald, the CEO of Neutrogene, and an entrepreneur and behavioral scientist who's passionate about using technology and innovation to change the game in public health. As the co-founder of Neutrogene, she's on a mission to optimize health and prevent nutrition-related disease a problem which affects over half of the world's population. Neutrogene does this by sending pure, personalized liquid supplements backed by scientific research and optimized to your specific characteristics. This creates a unique formulation specifically for you with results that are 10 times more effective than generic off-the-shelf options. And while Neutrogene may not be creating a new outdoor product or way of experiencing the world, they're actually tackling the very fundamental aspect of every adventure, our own health. I was born in Seoul, uh, South Korea. Uh, And then when I was around, um, I did grade school there until I was around uh, seven. And then we moved over uh, to Vancouver um, after that. And um, I went to school and finished stuff off there. Um, I ended up catching, I think, that the travel bug uh, from, you know, wanting, like, seeing this, that switch over um, to being international. And then when I was around, during university years, I actually did a huge backpacking trip uh, to Europe. And I also uh, went to school uh, at Copenhagen Business School for a bit in Denmark. Um, Yeah, and then I lived in the UK for a little bit after that. now, I came back to Vancouver and then I moved back to the UK um, for a couple of years before coming back to Vancouver and then coming to SF. <laughs> so I've so been really, moving around a lot. Yeah, you, it seems like you had the chance to really live all over the world in a lot of places. But um, I know that you were only six when you moved to Vancouver. Do you still remember a lot of what life was like in Seoul and, and what was that like? Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's extremely different. I think when you're a child, everything is very vivid and then somehow it's burned into your memory a bit. And I remember some, you know, very, very different school distinctions. So school starts really young. First of all, Koreans take school extremely seriously, any kind of education. So I think the statistics are pretty high, like 80 to 90% of uh, a family's income is put towards their child's education because it's all fairly expensive and people put their kids through all sorts of lessons. Wow. So 80, school... 80 to 90 percent towards. <laughs> yeah. Education. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It... Don't quote me literally, but it's, <laughs> it's actually very high. Mm-hmm. Wow. So is the education quality very good there? How is it different from the U.S.? It's it's actually very um, I think it's pretty good, but it's very strict. So it's really strict on things like um, your uh, your baseline reading uh, and mathematics, especially. Uh, we were doing a long division by the time I was six. Um, we were already in kindergarten getting math homework assignments where we're we're doing. You know, you, you kids don't just count. Um, you can subtract. You know, three digit numbers 
four digit numbers and add things together. You start learning basic, you know, division and multiplication tables by the time you're five or six already. And if you don't, then you're behind. Wow. Um, so they definitely kind of move the curriculum a little bit sooner than, than what's normal. Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I was, I got bored of school when we moved back, especially on the math side. So I was doing, um, what they would consider, you know, like I was doing trigonometry and things when I was around 10 because yeah, that it was, it was, the school wasn't like teaching that basically you start hitting that around grade four or five in North American school systems. Right. And I hear there the, um, kind of incentive system, uh, or kind of the disciplinary system is a little bit different there. Um, what was that like and, and how did that motivate you to do better? Yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking of, I think they can keep their math regimen up like that because of their disciplinary system. So it's really strict, extremely competitive. Uh, and I, I, uh, it's, it's, you know, for, for example, um, we get graded on tests and actually the tests are meant to rank you, uh, in the class. And so, uh, there's always a scoreboard on the front of the class and it gets posted with your name on it and it shows who's number one in the class and who's last in terms of test scores and then they aggregate them over time. And, uh, even when you're when in grade one, when you're seven, you get tested every month and for every, for example, mistake that you make, you actually get hit. And so this, the teacher would have this lineup of students with anyone that did less than a hundred percent. So if you got 90%, you would get hit 10 times, um, on the hand with the, with, um, a bamboo stick typically, or a metal ruler and they put it on the edge. Um, yeah. And, and it's not a pleasant experience. So, you know, I got hit once and then I just didn't get hit again. <laughs> wow. So that, that's definitely one way to make sure you get good grades. What was it like when you left and went to Vancouver? Um, did you feel more prepared when, when you got there? Um, or what was that transition like for you? Uh, it's no, I mean, when you're that young, you just kind of do as your parents tell you. And it's, you know, they, my parents actually, they're not, they're not educated. Um, and not to say that that's a bad thing, but they weren't, they didn't go to university. I was the first one to go, uh, in my family. And so they didn't really, they were just in the swing of things. You know, we just, we got an opportunity to move and then we landed. So they didn't really prepare me for what's going it it going to be like in Canada. Um, or, but, and, and they actually couldn't have, I mean, the resources back then in the nineties to understand what's happening. We didn't have the internet so much <laughs> at the time. So I just, we just flew on a plane. I remember for, I think 14 or 18 hours and, um, it, we just landed on the other side and it was a totally different place. I mean, what's fantastic is that Vancouver in terms of health, um, uh, is so clean and pristine that my brother's asthma went away, for example. So there's been some interesting health benefits and we got to, you know, eat a little bit better and things like that because food availab um, availability and um, affordability was a lot better. But I remember just everything else was being totally confusing. So I didn't know English. Um, and when you do school, uh, kids are not exactly the the friendliest when you don't speak the language that they're speaking and you're different looking. Um, because at that time there wasn't a lot of minorities in my school. I was one of the very few. So I just remember getting a bit typecast and, uh, it was, it was hard growing up. 
were there a lot of differences in the culture um, and different ways of interacting that that had to change? And how did you um, kind of uh, adapt to that? Yeah. Um, yeah. So what's really fascinating is that uh, all of these characteristics that I think are really core to like how creative I think North Americans are uh, is is apparent in how um, we were when we were younger, the school systems we went through. So, for example, um, I remember Korea was very regimented, right? So uh, you had actually there was about 60 students per class or more. And they line you up from tallest to shortest. You have an order and you follow that order. You memorize the person in front of you and behind you and you never go out of that line order with gym, with like any activity um, where everyone's together. Now, compare that to when I moved to Vancouver and it was circular tables. Kids were running around. Um, they were calling the teacher by their first name, which I thought was just like I, I, it blew my mind actually, because that would require a hitting uh, in in Korea. It was just such, so rude, um, and um, I remember, yeah, they didn't clean up after themselves, so they were just messy. You know, it was just mess everywhere, and I remember just sitting there thinking, like, this is chaos. Um, <laughs> that was my first impression. It's like North America equals chaos, and um, I realized as I was getting older, what happened is um, that I think that kind of collaborative, like circular table structure where you have a lot of freedom to express opinions and thoughts and, you know, ask questions is, is really important for being able to think outside the box. And so it really, you can kind of see how a culture over time ends up creating different like types of innovations and, and such things. So yeah, for me, um, that's a retrospective, um, finding but yeah during the time it was really shocking absolutely i can imagine that'd be uh, you know a huge culture uh, kind of shock to experience that in such a such a drastically different type of environment um what were some of the things that your new environment maybe inspired in you that uh, you ended up pursuing through school and what you wanted to do with your future I think one of the most important character differences that i got from moving is that my parents didn't know what it's like to um, be in a school system in Vancouver. It's very different. It's so different from from Korea that they said, "Hey, also," and and you know they were really trying to make ends meet. So we were actually living on welfare for years, and you know at the bottom of the income bracket, um, and. It, it was it was way harder. And so they just said, hey, they, we need you. They, they set me down as a kid, which is actually really um, in like empowering. And they said, hey, we need you to help yourself because we don't understand how things work here. So can you go and find out what you need, things you want to learn or things you like how things work here and also help your brother out? So I just kind of took it to heart. I was like, oh, yeah, I could totally do this. Like big sister, you know, and it made me really proactive. And so, um, and the, the difference I think with the, I went to a really good public school that allowed, had all of these extracurricular programs, for example, and I took absolutely everything. I actually picked things that interested me because I had the liberty to choose and then bring those choices. So I got really into music. I uh, actually used to compete uh, in a lot of piano um, competitions and I played in um, an orchestral, like um, or, an orchestra. 
uh, with violin. Um, I did some choir. And I remember um, on the on the side, I was actually playing a lot of sports as well. So I did cross country track. Um, I played volleyball. I played volleyball for about eight years straight until almost university. Um, yeah. And, and it just, it, it just inspired all these other extracurriculars, which actually in hindsight, they were really unhappy about because they said, oh, you should be studying more. And, but I was also doing the, the international baccalaureate program like full time. So I, I did a lot. I just got really voracious about, oh, I want to do everything and try absolutely everything. And that's, that's turned into my personality. Well, a lot of times I think doing everything inspires a new mindset that you wouldn't have had before, um, that sometimes staying focused uh, doesn't necessarily get you to have. So what were some of the, the most impactful things that you explored during that time that influenced what you ended up going into and, and what you do now? Yeah, yeah. And I think that focus, um, when you're actually that, that you're speaking about it is actually extremely important. But that exploratory phase is very important, too, because you need to get a taste of things, right, before you know what you like. Um, yeah, for for me to be on the current journey I am right now with, um, with health as my focus, uh, with my company, um, we had um, this uh, incident in our family that, you know, is tragic, but also I'm very fortunate and grateful that it happened because um, it, it really made me think about preventative health um, and how, you know, we need to be in control of that. My aunt, when I was um, just finishing up high school um, or just around that time, she uh, died from type 2 diabetes. And it was a really hard time. It was my mom's sister and so really close. And she was not that much older than my mom at the time. So I think it really led her into a panic and it led the whole family into a lot of panic. Um, as a result at the time, I mean, she's been uh, enjoying, like our family's been enjoying the kind of North American dietary habits for a while. Uh, all of us had put on a lot of weight and, and I just ate what's on the table. Um, my family's not athletic really by any means, except maybe my dad, <laughs> but he, he doesn't really do much anymore. And so, um, yeah, I remember, starting to read up everything on it at the time. And like I was about 30 pounds overweight um, as well. And all of us, uh, they went and did full blood and body panel work. They actually flew back to Korea to do that assessment. And then, um, yeah, we rehauled our entire diet um, and uh, started exercising more uh, consistently instead of just kind of season by season, which is what I was doing with my sports. Um, and yeah, it actually led us to be like all their blood panels went from being like pre-diabetic to fine. And um, they've been they've been even healthier, like they've been optimizing their health over time. Um, for me, uh, it made me get my personal training uh, certification and then I my holistic um, health coaching certification and then um, my behavioral economics master's in London after that. It just it's this whole paradigm of trying to figure out why you know, we aren't as healthy as we want to be, even though we have the right intentions. And when your aunt passed away, that kind of sparked that change in that mindset. Um, how did you take that first step to make a difference and make a change in your own personal health? Um, yeah, I, I'm a very um, intense person is what people tell me. <laughs> and so I, I, uh, I got really fixated and basically I read everything and I... <laughs> 
And I, it said, okay, well, if you, I think that the, like, um, all the extra excess weight around your gut, especially is what can contribute to a lot of different disease. And I wanted to get rid of it. Um, especially as a teenage girl, like a female, it's, it's really not nice when you're overweight or you feel overweight. So I just, um, what I did was I, um, read everything on, um, you know, lifting, uh, exercising and diet. And I actually created a plan for myself, um, where I, over three months, I was probably, um, going to the gym about an hour. I started off, um, about, you know, 30 minutes to an hour a day. Um, but I modified my meal plan so that you, I was eating every two and a half hours, um, with a, I think it was a 70, it was pretty high, um, <laughs> like 70% protein to like 30% carb ratio. Um, and the carb was typically like more, more vegetables instead of being starchier, um, or more refined. Uh, anyways, I, I packed all my meals, like six meals a day and I, exercised every day religiously. By the end, I was lifting and exercising about 18 hours a week. Um, and I lost all the weight in three months. Wow. That's incredible. So after that first you know, three months of, of, a very intense focus on that, um, kind of what was the difference in your mindset, how you felt, uh, and that passion to help others to do the same? Yeah. I mean, um, you feel really empowered. Uh, I think that's the beauty of, um, like our, our, like the physicality. It's so it's visceral, right? You see the change instantly and not only do you see it, but you actually feel it. So my energy was amazing as a result of consistent exercise. I've never felt stronger. I actually had more mental focus and clarity as a result of it. And, you know, the, I just felt so strong, like all the time. Right. I mean, also, I, I was very strong <laughs> as a result of all of it. And so I thought, well, why doesn't everybody want this? Like everyone should want to be their best like all the time. Like you should be on your game, right? Um, and it's like, well, if people want to do that, I want to help them with it. And that started that the whole personal, you know, let's let's actually help people train because that's what I, I knew at the time. Um, and yeah, it just started morphing into kind of more aspects of health uh, over time. And, um, eventually what I realized was like, I enjoy working with people one-on-one. -on -one. Actually, I, when I talk to people, I really like to know where they came from and, um, how I can, you know, help. But what I really wanted to do was try to make it scalable and help as many people as possible. And so that's why, um, uh, I built the company that I'm working on currently, because, uh, if we have a, a digital platform, um, then we can, Think they can re we we can reach the world as an audience, uh, not just uh, me doing things one on one. Even before starting Neutrogene with what you're working on right now, um, right after graduating college, uh, what did you do to to pursue that kind of newfound passion for health and wellness and helping others to achieve that as well? What was that first step that you took right out of school? And you know what, actually. Um, I, I, that's, that's where I think, um, I, I actually didn't do too much of that. So the first step was, you know, I was still trying to do all the, all the training stuff on the side. I remember getting asked for, um, even like, um, doing like fitness modeling or different gigs. And I, I just, I ignored what was in my gut 
at the time as as an instinct. And I actually went into um, rational mode and decided to do management consulting out of all things. And um, I, I was exercising and stuff on the side um, and seeing clients on the side. And, you know, management consulting, like, is, as you might know, is is not exactly the most, um, you know, relaxed environment. So I was probably pushing 80 hour work weeks. On top of that, I was flying twice a week. And so it was really hard to do that <laughs> effectively. Eventually, um, I ended up quitting because I got so burned out. And um, actually, during the tail end of um, being in consulting for about five years, I uh, did I asked for some personal development courses uh, through Deloitte, which they were very gracious to to give me. And, you know, I did a comment to a different office just to see whether it was actually the office environment or if it was just something I else I didn't enjoy. And um, yeah, that whole process made me realize that, okay, I just, I can't do this for a profession anymore. I'm not really fulfilled. And I am... Um, there was an opportunity to actually move to the to England to London. My um, fiance at the time um, was decided to stay there uh, instead of coming back to Vancouver. So I said, "Great, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to move." So within I think within a month, I had quit my job, had my wedding, and moved countries and found a new apartment in that country. Wow, that is a ton of life changes all at once. Uh, so, what was where did you find the courage to take that first step and uh, and say, "Hey, I'm going to make this change. I'm going to do it, and let's go." Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting because um, I've done a lot of experimental um, like programs or things in my life, and I think it's actually it comes back to my childhood. So that th- there's nothing more. I shouldn't say traumatic, but there's nothing more shocking to your system than moving that young and having to adjust. And so I was like, well, I, it's the same language. It's actually, um, you know, I'm, I'm older. I have full control. I I have, um, work experience. Um, at the time I went on a youth mobility visa, so there was no issue of even working. Like, so for me, it was not a risk whatsoever. It was just a fun adventure. It's like, great. Like I can just go and I'm, I'm sure I'll figure it out. I'll just, I'll just go and see what happens. <laughs> what did, what did your parents think of that decision to leave what I'm sure was a very, uh, you know, lucrative, stable job and, and pursue this, uh, you know, this other direction? Yeah, actually what's fascinating is, um, I grew up with this difference of, I mean, they're still stuck in 1980s Korea. Right. So um, what that what, what I mean to say with that is that um, the what, once you're married, actually, your um, your alliance is really your allegiance is actually to your husband and your new and your new family. And so in their mind, they're like, well, of course, of course, you're going to move. Like, who cares about your job? You, you move. And and everyone else, you know, even at work was like, are you sure you want to do this? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I what am I going to, I don't like it here. So um, it can't be any worse. If I don't like it, I'll come back, right? Absolutely. So what happened after taking that step? Yeah, um, it was actually such a gift. Um, and I actually really do recommend um, other people I've been meet, meeting over the years who have 
you know, not really figured out what their purpose is or, you know, or because purpose is, is something that you choose, right. Um, or your decision to do what you do. Um, and it's a very active choice and it's really hard to do. Um, and so, um, it was a gifted six month period. I actually had uh, savings from all that working I was doing. So I said, okay, I'm going to put money aside. I'm not going to work uh, for six months, um, max, and I'm going to spend my time actually figuring out and finding the right thing for me. And so that's when, you know, I signed up for my uh, holistic health coaching certification. Um, and, you know, I really delved into like, what are the common thread or the theme in my life of what I really love and what I really want to do. And yeah, it, that, that was, you know, that meant I was going to like five meetups a week at least and talking to all of my uh, people before I did 360 um, degree feedback from um, people I've worked with, my bosses, my peers, and actually did a person like a personality and like self assessment of how I was perceived by others and myself. It was it was amazing. Um, and, you know, what 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 morphed out of that process was my um, desire to really help people um, be their best and thrive. And, you know, that that to me, I thought found health was a big foundation of that, because if we don't have that as a base, as your foundation, you really can't build other things off the top of it. And so, um, you know, my my goal was, okay, I'm going to help people, you know, first, like at the base need is like, we shouldn't even get to the hospital, we shouldn't even get sick. Um, but I want to eventually help people really um, thrive as well. It's like, well, if you want to optimize for better performance, um, not only that, but you want to actually like be your best self, like that's something that I would love to help people with. Um, and so I remember I, I actually joined a startup at the time that was doing stuff around nutrition because I thought nutrition was actually uh, foundationally really important to that physicality like that I was talking about. So physical health, um, if you actually look at it, it's not most, it's not all just activity. Actually, the majority is to do with your nutrition. If you're not well fed um, and if you're not absorbing those nutrients very effectively, then you can't really do anything. Um, and so um, this startup was actually helping people curate or families um, across, especially in poor demographics and also across everything else, curate better um, meal baskets or shopping baskets uh, for their families. And, and so, what was that startup yeah, called? Um, I don't think they exist anymore. I'm not sure because <laughs> I kind of, um, they, they used to be called food IT, um, like food IT, <laughs> like food ITY. Um, and they rebranded, um, and, and that's actually one of the reasons that I thought it was, it was a good time for me to leave because they went from, you know, their core mission of like, they were always helping, like they, their business model was to help, um, that transaction happen from those curated meal baskets. So you can actually, actually immediately purchase those at your Asda, which is, you know, Walmart or any other like Tesco shops. But the problem is that they, well, for me personally, is that it got very, very commercialized. And I think, um, away from the initial mission of the company, um, when I joined. And so, um, yeah, when we had an opportunity to move, I basically decided to take that time to start my own business actually, and move back to Vancouver. 
And it sounds like that opportunity was really one of the first ones you had to really put your passion and interest for health and wellness into a profession. Um, how did that feel versus what you were doing with management consulting before and, and what was different for you? Yeah, I mean, um, I, I actually jumped into product management and then also on the, um, I, I was also a commercial manager. So I did everything vertically from a, a sale to a, an enterprise client all the way up to actually implementing the technology with the team and then working with them direct the clients directly to make sure, you know, everything's going well. So it was really full stack. I loved it. It's like a mini CEO job because um, you manage a full product. And um, I got what I realized from that was, man, I love this and it's not enough. <laughs> like I, I, I really enjoy this. What happened was there was a really steep learning curve for the first six to 12 months. And then eventually uh, I stopped learning as much. And um, I, I, I think, you know, it's really interesting. I didn't realize this, but I think I'm like a learning junkie. Does that make sense? Uh, I, I, if I stop learning, I'm actually very dissatisfied because then you're not growing anymore. And so inherently, when that process happened, I I got less interested because I, I actually wanted more. I wanted to do, I wanted to learn even more about different aspects of the business. And um, yeah, it, it, I mean, regardless of how it went for me, it was um, a very like, first of all, um, good view into the startup uh, world. Um, it was, at the time, the company was a bit less than 20 people, and it grew to 80 by the time I left. Um, and so, yeah, it was actually really great to see the growth. Um, I got to shadow, for example, some of the fundraising um, to different um, investors that they had uh, on their cap table, as well as, um, you know, pro new prospective ones, um, because the CEO kind of took me under his wing, which I'm really grateful for. Um, yeah, it was a, an awesome experience that made me think, okay, I actually think I can do a startup <laughs> as well. It's so helpful to have that first experience before going into uh, your own startup or something else, just so you have that base understanding of how to do that. Um, so what was the next step? Did you end up going out and using that passion for health and wellness to start your own company? And what did that look like? Yeah, actually, so, um, you know, this is just the thing, like life is such a series of different stages and you constantly pivot. And I think that's what I was doing. So the first, um, I was still really fixated on the nutrient and food side of things. And so I ended up um, starting a more um, food, a food company that was a vegan product line. And that was based out of Vancouver. And serendipitously, like what happened in the middle of me starting that venture is I ended up flying down to Singularity uh, University's um, Global Solutions Program. Um, I got shortlisted um, within... I think within two months of flying back and deciding to do my own company <laughs> and actually starting to set it up. Um, like I was looking for co-packers. I was sourcing ingredients. I was modifying basically some Korean, um, Korean um, recipes that are good for, um, you know, body rejuvenation and skin care and turning those into like a vegan product line. Uh, and yeah, it, it, it kind of threw a wrench in things in some ways because I, like this whole possibility of technology and using um, uh, using technology for good, but also 
um, the idea of getting, you know, 10 weeks in um, NASA Research Center <laughs> to actually just explore and find other people that are like-minded was like, okay, well, great. If I get in, I will go. And then I got in. And yeah, it, it, my, that business ended up morphing into, um, Neutrogen. So for anyone who is listening, who doesn't know what Singularity University is, can you give a brief overview of how you found out about that, why you applied and the impact that it made into what you're doing now? Yeah. So actually, um, my husband is the reason. So he, we talked about the Singularity, I think on our first date, which is really odd, I know, but um, we were really, we're really nerdy at heart. And I, I actually really love technology. And, um, you know, he, he actually read um, um, The Singularity is Near when it came out. And so it's been something we've talked about uh, for a while. And he actually said, hey, uh, you know, the applications are coming up, like they're going to be due soon. Do you, um, you know, maybe you should apply. And I, I don't think he applied because he was um, still working on his business at the time. But I, I just threw in an application. I remember not putting in that much time to it and thinking, I'm not going to get in. And yeah, lo and behold, I got in. And what was that experience like in the way that it inspired what is now Neutrogen and how it helps you to do that? Well, yeah, I think the biggest thing is that... Um, uh, you know, I, I didn't realize that I was playing a small game until I went to SU. So, um, you know, it's, I, I know there's some, uh, like media coverage and stuff like that right now, um, with SU, but in terms of that, the global solution program, it's, you know, this <clears throat> amazing connective experience where they've, they have done something right, where you have like 80 and now it's 90 people from around the world. I think 42 countries were represented in 80 during my year. And <clears throat> despite all of those, um, uh, like, you know, cultural differences, we all actually came together and were really passionate about trying to use um, tech for good and it's in a scalable way. And yeah, you really end up, for me, it was this incredible um, sense of uh, like I didn't feel loneliness for the first time because people were on the same wavelength as me. But secondly, I actually uh, was in this really amazing room of some of the most accomplished people I've ever met in my life, and they considered me one of them. So it's this really weird thing where um, for me, I just never thought I could do what I really wanted to do, um, like which is you know to build. Uh, you know, to, to be like a CEO or like build a venture backed company and really push myself to a limit. Um, I, I've never been at before um, because I wasn't sure if I could do it. And when I was there, I realized, oh, you know what? Like, actually, I think I can. And like, I, I'm going to try. And how did that experience inspire you to actually go out and get the, the courage to do that? And what was that first step uh, like for you? Yeah, you know, it's it's actually really, really um, like fascinating. So for me on a personal journey level, um, yeah, it's just, it's like a switch went off in my head where you're know, like, well, I realized it was actually a confidence issue, right? Um, all that time. So I think 
for that, I actually, I forgot to say, like, I've been trying to start businesses since I was like 19. I've, I've always had a business. Um, so I think, you know, the first thing I had was, um, I used to do like financial, like brokerage when I was like 19 and I got really familiar with all these like financial instruments. And, um, you know, then I spent time in, uh, what else did I do? Oh yeah. I, I, I tried to do like a high tech company back in like 2006, um, no, 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 2008, sorry. Um, and it was like a mobile app that helps connect, you know, auction, um, services across, um, to, to bidders, um, that are, that are looking for anything for like weddings or, or any events. And I realized I, I, like those are really good experiences for me, but I think the failure of those experiments, I thought I meant I wasn't meant to run a company. And so I jumped into working right away and I never revisited it until, um, yeah, until this experience again. And I thought, like, I think I was sitting for that 10 year period working a lot, thinking I needed to build all of that work experience before I can even attempt to do a company again. But I realized that, you know, it's, it is, it is definitely, if it's something that you're really passionate about, if it's something you want to do, then you can actually do it. And so I just, I just took the first step, um, which is, you know, I found my co-founders, um, or co-founder, sorry, um, at the program. And, um, yeah, we, we, we actually went all in. So this time it was no part-time on the side or anything like that. You know, I don't think that works very well. And so, yeah, I just said, okay, I'm going to put, like my life savings <laughs> to do this, uh, and spend a year, you know, at least like dedicated fully, um, on that. And then that's, that's grown to, to additional time now. So when you were at Singularity, um, meeting your co-founders and coming up with the idea, where did the idea for Neutrogene start and how did you kind of get it off the ground with creating a, a first test case? Yeah, actually. So what's really fascinating is that um, we we initially wanted to help the the most impoverished populations like develop their own nutrients, and um, you know with a with a hardware product that you can have in your house. Basically, it's like a miniature bioreactor um, that lets you produce it, uh, produce um, produce like different types of vitamins and um, uh, using like algae or other strains, but what ended up happening was, you know, that that wasn't a scalable business model. Um, and, you know, we, for example, even went to the UN, um, this World Food Program, to see if we could pitch that idea. And um, it wasn't until um, StartX at Stanford, um, it, which is another incubator program, where we refined our current business model, which is actually to, you know, we still want to help people, you know, not be deficient or, or nutritionally devoid um, across the world. Um, but we're currently in the United States and there's tons of people here that actually have issues actually like you and me and you know everyone doesn't really fully know whether their um, nutrition nutrient needs are actually being met or whether they're they're actually healthy and so um, we wanted to focus here in our backyard first um, before and like develop a, um, a, da a database like a test test bed of lots of um, lots of good um, you know people that are using our product. Um, and then, you know, with the goal of going international later. So yeah, we, we refined that business model, um, actually later on, 
um, about uh, in during the StartX program, and then now we actually released it um, in during YC currently. So after refining that business model, what is the current core mission of Neutrogene? What's the main focus that you're trying to tackle, um, and how do you go about doing that? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we, we actually took a step back and figured out like, what is our North star? And it's actually, it's bigger than nutrition, right? Um, we're, we really want to help people, um, like be like to thrive and like, what does that mean? It's like, well, to, in today's world, there's a ton of, um, you know, FDA approved wearables and, you know, cutting edge, um, cheaper sequencing technologies available, um, with, you know, genetics like 23andMe and so many other products that are popping on the market. And so what we really want to do is actually make it easier for people to thrive, but using a data-driven approach to do that. Um, and eventually we want to just create all these tailored, like customized products for people um, and we're starting with a supplement because we know that industry is very broken and actually so many people are nutritionally um, like devoid, like they're not, they're not full um, even when they try to eat really well. So, you know, starting off with a very um, specific product, but our end goal is to actually really help people um, like fully manage their health in a more preventative and holistic way. What's the biggest problem in the supplement space right now? And I know you have a really oh, yeah. awesome, innovative way of tackling that. Um, I'd love to learn more about that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I didn't know a lot of this, but my um, my co-founder, she has a PhD um, from Stanford and she studied actual vitamin metabolism. So she educated me a lot on the space. She basically, um, you know, when we were starting to dig into trying to provide almost clinical grade um, vitamins to the market because she that's what she was working with in the lab because you can't have noise in your sample data, right? Like if it's a cell line and you're applying, let's say like a vitamin dosage, it has to be pure. Otherwise, your scientific data is inaccurate. And so what we were trying to do um, when we were trying to provide this to other people, we found out how hard it is to come across pure quality um, supplements. <laughs> it's it's really hard. Usually, um, most of the products on the market are 90 to 99% fillers, bindings, sugars. Um, vitamins actually taste terrible. Um, you know, like iron tastes metallic. Um, you know, like when you cut yourself and you lick your um, the the wound, it doesn't taste, it's not supposed to taste um, like a gummy vitamin that tastes really sweet. Um, so, you know, our product as a result ends up tasting a little bit rougher and we actually, it's a liquid format as well. So like pills actually don't let you absorb everything uh, inside. It has to, you know, go through um, your stomach. It has, it has to be broken down and people with any type of um, IBS or irritable bowel syndrome or any type of stomach issue, like irritable um, stomach issue, won't be able to digest it fully. So, you know, we kind of, looked at all of these factors and said, why isn't there a good, um, liquid like supplement that's pure and like on the market. And also like this is 2018, there are technologies that you can create to completely tailor make it because everyone's body's different. Like no one's doing that <laughs> right now. Or like taking that close of a look on the integrity of the purity of, um, of what you get. To take a step back and, and, 
go back to that really impactful moment for you and your family when your aunt passed away and you really realized that focusing on health is extremely important and that you want to help others uh, to, to do the same. Um, how do you hope that Neutrogene will help um, other people uh, to start to really focus more on their health and their well-being um, and really make a difference in the quality of life that they live? Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah. I think, um, one thing that I, if I go back to that time, I mean, this journey took me about 15 years to accumulate different knowledge. Um, and it's a really hard and long process for a lot of people. Uh, and I actually keep on forgetting that I keep on thinking, oh yeah, it's just really, really straightforward. And actually, no, um, um, food is inherently a cultural experience and I'm not saying don't eat well, but it's certainly, if you want to help people, you have to make it easy um, to adopt uh, and use. And so this is the most actionable way for us to help people use their information um, that they have about themselves um, and discover new things. So, um, yeah, for example, um, our family, you know, has a genetic predisposition to diabetes, right? I um, I definitely have issues with hyperglycemia um, and, you know, so does my mom and it, you know, it is passed down and like, that's why we're actually looking at genetic data, for example, to see whether you have different type of um, predispositions, but also metabolic inefficiencies um, based on your genetics. And that can be a blueprint for you to actually begin to understand better ways to optimize your diet, ways where, um, or like places where you're less efficient, meaning you could potentially have issues where you're not absorbing certain profiles of nutrients. And, you know, our hypothesis is that over time, um, as you age, you know, over years, those actually lead to particular like diseases or different conditions you might manifest. So why don't you get on top of that now? And I want to help people with that process. Just like you said, when you were talking about your time at Singularity, um, the focus there is really all on using technology to create a positive impact, really with that focus on the impact piece. At the end of the day, through all of your work with Neutrogene and everything else that you've done, what do you hope will be your impact on the world that you leave behind? Um, you know, I think it does come down to like that. Um, I, I get no better joy than hearing testimonials like from interacting with um, our customers and saying, oh, this actually changed my life um, or it, it, it's really made a huge impact on my energy levels and it's been doing a lot. And also you've helped me discover more things about myself and I want to do that globally. Like I really want to take this um, experience to people everywhere because I think everyone should have control over their own health um, and their own destiny. I really see it as like, if you have this under control, you can really do anything. Um, and if I could help as many people around the world to do that, then, you know, I feel like I've lived a good life. For anyone who wants to give it a shot themselves and try it out, how do they get started? Yeah. Um, so it's actually really easy. Um, the website's myneutrogene.com and you start off with filling out an assessment, um, online 
and um, it will recommend um, a different package for you. And we actually have a um, a program right now for people with um, genetics data. If you actually do have, if you've done, for anyone that's done genetic sequencing, like let's say a 23andMe, we can actually look at your information uh, and incorporate that into your reg- like into your supplement regimen directly and give you insights back over uh, a, like a yearly time period. That's amazing. And how long does it usually take for people to start seeing those results? Yeah. So um, it depends on the person and also depends how deficient you are already. So, I mean, the fastest we've seen is someone calling back enthusiastically in a week saying that this has you know, it's the first time they've been able to work full time uh, in, in years and they've been working with doctors and they couldn't figure it out. And it's been about a week's time now. Um, you know, this was an older, elder, more elderly um, gentleman. And I think he, he had a lot of other health issues um, and it this really helped him. Um, and then, you know, we have people that are uh, in their late 20s, early 30s, you know, where, you know, they're really hardworking um, professionals. Uh, those guys are typically also deficient. Um, but if they're not, if you're not like depleted, then, you know, you'll start feeling more energetic. Um, some people say they can actually feel a kick of energy right after they take it, um, take their liquid supplement. <laughs> so like I kind of recommend taking it, um, you know, after lunch or after breakfast, um, but just to get, you know, consistent energy throughout the day. Um, but yeah, it kind of depends on person. It could be like a week to a few weeks. So on my diet of Waffle House and Chick-fil-A, it'll probably take me a little bit longer than that, right? (laughs) (laughs) Or sooner. (laughs) Right, right. Exactly. I definitely need this. (laughs) Um, So what's what's next with Neutrogene? I know you're at Y Combinator right now um, pursuing some really exciting things. What's the biggest goal that you have for the upcoming year? Yeah, um, we're really excited to um, roll out uh, at like more a di- more a better digital experience for people. Um, it's actually uh, we were focusing a lot on the product integrity, which means the physical product of what you get is you know pure. Like if we if it doesn't meet our purity standards, we actually just don't offer it. And so when we um, when people ask like why don't you do this this and this and this, and it's like well because those didn't we couldn't find the right active version of that vitamin. Um, that we wanted to incorporate, for example, uh, just yet. So um, our goal is to actually have a wider selection of, um, you know, more um, everything from vitamins, but, you know, potentially other fun um, and like enhancing um, compounds too, and then um, make it a more encompassing experience. So if you have other types of wearables, um, we have FDA approved wearable data that we can incorporate and you can actually see more um, live stream information about how it's impacting your health. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inside the Adventure. That was the story of Min Fitzgerald, who remember when she said that she was a passionate learner and always seeks new information? Well, if you remember back when you were a kid and you used to read maybe one or two books a month, Min read seven to eight books a day. 